Okay, take your Bibles. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Is there a handout I could have? No. We short. Okay, somebody's going to have to pull those doors back there. Pastor, can you pull those doors back there? Okay. Do you have your Bible? You're going to need to be at Hebrews 12 in your Bible. This is such a fantastic call to worship here. I wish in the timing this could have just been a regular sermon, but I am glad you stuck around for Bible study because this is so important. And Hebrews is the New Testament book that is most directly and most fully about worship. So this is my feeble attempt to put what Hebrews says about worship into 38 minutes. You've got a big handout. It probably looks like a big, complicated, overwhelming handout. That's not actually what's going on. The reason why you have a, it's actually a pretty simple outline. I just wanted to put a lot of the scripture on there and just try to make it really easy for us to work through together. All right. Hebrews 12, can you look with me at verses 28 and 29? Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So that is a beautiful and a powerful call to worship, and it fits just perfectly with Romans 12, like we talked about this morning. And the best way to start really understanding this is to start with that phrase, our God is a consuming fire. What is the background of that phrase? So the, the answer, if you want to fill in the blank there, the, the answer is the impossibility of approaching the holy God. The, the impossibility of approaching the holy God. But the story that's the background is Exodus chapter 19 when Israel encountered God at Mount Sinai because the tastes of God that they got there at the mountain were fiery. Okay, so we're talking about when Israel comes to Sinai, and they see these like depictions of the glory of God, in a sense, on Sinai. And it was terrifying, and it was fiery. And so if you look in Hebrews 12, back at verse 18, this is what he summarizes here. Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to, and now he's referring back to Israel at Sinai, to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, 
and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Okay, so the background to that phrase, our God is a consuming fire, is this story in Exodus 19 and the impossibility of approaching the holy God. Actually, back up Hebrews 12, verse 14, says, refers to the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And back in Hebrews 9, 27, it says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So the holy character of God and the holy judgment of God consume sinners. That was the message at Sinai. If you even touch the mountain, you're going to die. Okay, so that's the starting point for understanding this call to worship. But before we can connect the dots of that, of God as a consuming fire and worship, we need a third dot, okay? So, so point B in your handout says, what is the kingdom that cannot be shaken, which we have received? Because remember Hebrews twelve twenty eight says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Okay, so whatever this kingdom is, it motivates our worship. We're so amazed at this kingdom that we're compelled to come worship God. So what's the kingdom? Well, we, we could just jump right to the kingdom of God in other parts of Scripture, right? We know lots of things about the kingdom of God. But I want to know what he's talking about here in Hebrews. So I think here in Hebrews, the kingdom that cannot be shaken is the assembly, so this is the, we'll get the blanks on your handout and then we'll read the verses. The assembly of God's people in his presence, which will be what remains forever. The assembly of God's people. It's the king and his subjects together at the throne of God, the assembly of God's people in his presence, which will be what remains forever. So now let's look at it in Hebrews 12. Look with me at verses 22 through 24. So remember, he said in verse 20, in verse 18, he said, you have not come to Mount Sinai. That's not who you are as Christians. So now he says in verse 22, but in contrast to that and the terror of Mount Sinai, you have come to Mount Zion, which is the, the, the Jerusalem, the mountains of Jerusalem, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn. Okay, that's Jesus. So the assembly of the firstborn is all the people who belong to Jesus. And to the assembly of all the people who belong to Jesus who are enrolled in heaven. And you've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now that is crazy how much Paul, I mean, Paul, no, I don't know who wrote Hebrews. I don't think it was Paul, in my opinion, but not our point. That is crazy how much the author of Hebrews just packed in right there and how much Old Testament. 
But the, the, the picture there is of all of God's people gathered around him in heaven, which is pictured like the heavenly Jerusalem, the, the capital city. Here are all of God's people gathered around him, and they're not trembling in fear. And they're not staying away. Instead, it's a worship festival. I wish we had time to talk about that word in verse 22. The angels are in a festal gathering. This is a big celebration all together. So the kingdom that cannot be shaken in this sense in Hebrews, the kingdom that cannot be shaken is the heavenly assembly of all of God's people who have been brought to him. And they may still be living physically here on earth, but their true citizenship is in heaven. They have been brought near to God. It's the king and his people. And that's the kingdom that's never going to go away. When all, Daniel, right? When all the other kingdoms of the earth are gone, that kingdom remains. It's the kingdom that cannot be shaken. All right, so now look at point A and look at point B. And we have to ask the question, how can they both be true? How can you have a God who is a consuming fire and then have all these people gathered around him in his heavenly place as his kingdom? And so let her see if it is impossible to approach the holy God, how have sinners been brought near to him and his everlasting kingdom? And so first of all, let's just get a little background of that. Um, with the Old Testament means of approaching the holiness of God. So this is a huge uh, part of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews is an appeal for Jewish Christians to stay faithful to Christ, to not just say, never mind, and go back to Judaism because it's comfortable and much easier for them. So, so Hebrews spends a lot of time looking back at the Old Covenant to show how Christ is the great fulfillment of it. And so Hebrews talks a lot about Old Covenant worship. So did I put in your handout Hebrews 9 verse 1? The first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. And we can't get into all that. And the, the funny part about that is that the author of Hebrews says the exact same thing. In Hebrews 9, verse 5, he says, of these things we cannot speak in detail <laughs> because there's so much. That, that, those regulations for worship were so extensive. The tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices and all this, it was extensive and it was complex. But the point is that under the old covenant, there was a means of approaching the holy God. God's presence was there in the holy of holies in the tabernacle, behind, inside the curtains, behind the curtain, inside the outer curtains and wall. And this, you know, the, the high priest would go in there once a year and the other priests could kind of get close but not actually go in there. And the common people were kept away from God's holy presence lest you die if you go near it. But they could bring their gifts and their sacrifices to the priests who would then take them to God um, on their behalf. So these, these, all of those things were a genuine means of allowing Israel to experience the forgiveness of sins and to worship God. However, all of those things were partial and temporary. 
And the author of Hebrews points this out in so many ways. For example, the priests, the priests were great. There was just a problem. They were sinners just like everybody else. So what do you do when you have a sinful priesthood? When you have sinners representing sinners to God? Something's not going to work out there in the long run. The sacrifices had to be offered over and over again. And none of it truly cleansed the conscience of the worshiper and brought them into the presence of God. That wasn't because all of those regulations for worship were a failure. That was because all of those regulations for worship were a giant arrow pointing forward to Jesus. And so, more than anything else, the book of Hebrews exalts Jesus Christ as our great hope for drawing near to God, for coming to the holy God. Hebrews 7, 19, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And we could spend all day talking about all the ways this is explained in Hebrews. I'll give you a sample list in just a second, but let's just make sure we're not missing the point. Our God is a consuming fire. He is inapproachable. Sinners face death and then judgment, and they cannot be in God's presence, and so they cannot be in God's kingdom. You can't be in the kingdom that's going to last forever. And even under the old covenant, the people were kept away from the holy presence of God. But now, in Christ, sinners are actually brought right into the heavenly festival in God's presence at God's throne, with God. And that's the kingdom that's never going to go away. So how does Jesus do that? Well, here are some some of the ways Hebrews says. It says he is a merciful, faithful, and permanent high priest. He was tempted just as we are yet without sin. He offered himself as the unblemished, once-for-all sacrifice to put away sin. He made propitiation for the sins of the people so that our sins are taken away and God remembers them no more. He's the mediator of a new and better covenant. He has passed through the heavens and entered into the holy presence of God for us. He entered the true heavenly tabernacle once for all. He's seated at the right hand of God for us and appears in the presence of God on our behalf. He opened the way into the holy place so that we can draw near to God. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He ensures that those who are called will receive the promised eternal inheritance because he enrolls them in this assembly of the firstborn in heaven. Isn't that awesome? There's a, so then at the bottom of your sheet, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 is just kind of a great summary of this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So back to your, I know we're turning the page there, but remember the question that was point C. If it's impossible to approach the holy God, how have sinners been brought near to him in his everlasting kingdom, it's because of Jesus, who is our great hope for drawing near to God. All right. So, if you look again in your Bible at Hebrews 12, 28, will you look at that? Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
Okay, so now I th- hopefully we can see more of what that means. That means let's be amazed that we have been brought into the holy presence of God and the holy assembly of God's people at the throne and the kingdom that's going to last forever and ever. Therefore, be amazed at that. So back to verse 28. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Doesn't that sound like Romans 12.1? Based on all the mercies of God, present yourselves. It's really the same flow of thought. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So that's the climactic call to worship in Hebrews, but it's actually just the climax of a repeated call to worship, which is this, draw near. Isn't that a call to worship? The right response to what God has done for us in Christ to bring you to God is to come to God to draw near. So the repeated call to worship in Hebrews is, number two, draw near to God through Christ. I think of it, I I don't don't know, maybe I'm playing with the illustrations too much, but I think of it like Hebrews, I, I mean Romans 12, you present your whole self to God. So like you're coming to God with your life And you're saying, here, my whole life is yours. And then God says, good, now stay here. And and I know you can't like leave your life and you can't give your life there and then leave. I know that's weird. But you, you see my point? It's not like, okay, here's my life. See you later, God. It's here's my life. Here I am with you in your presence. And God says, great, stay right here. Jesus died to bring you to God. Just draw near to me. Stay here with your whole life. Stay, stay here. So Hebrews 4, verse 16. Uh, These are on your handout, right? Yeah. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 7, 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, that's Christ, through which we draw near to God. Hebrews 7 again, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And those verses we just read a moment ago, Hebrews 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near. Are you marking it there on your notes? Let us draw near. And then Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So there is the repeated call to worship in Hebrews is draw near. So so do you see how kind of this flow of thought works in Hebrews where it's like, because of Christ, draw near, draw near, draw near, draw near, draw near. And then he gets to, to Hebrews 12 and he says, so look, what I'm saying is you haven't, you're not at Mount Sinai. Your relationship with God through Jesus isn't like that. You don't stay away from God. You have not come to there. You have come to God in the heavenly Jerusalem, in the festal gathering, in the great assembly of God's kingdom that's going to that's gonna last forever. So, Today, 
what you want to do is keep drawing near to God, which is a whole life of worship. So it's an interesting question then. How do you keep drawing near to God? And I can't get off topic here, so I'm just going to tell you that I'm going to come back to this later, and hopefully that will keep me from getting off topic. The topic of the presence of God in worship is a really hot topic in Christianity. Uh, you hear lots of phrases and things about it, like how do, you, how do you get God's presence? How do you get God to manifest his presence? How do you get the Spirit to fall upon your worship gathering? How do you enter into the Holy of Holies? What does it mean that God inhabits the praises of his people? What kind of you know, anointed worship leader can bring people into the presence of God? These are burning questions in Christian worship. And when we talk about congregational worship really soon, um, we'll talk about the presence of God in worship. But for our practical purposes this morning, just think about this. If what God wants from you is for you to draw near to him every day, where is he? Where would you do that? Where would you go every day to draw near to God? Yeah, that's a big part of it, right? The answer is there's not a place, right? In terms of an earthly place, there's not a place. That's why worship is, can be all of life. John 4, it's not Mount Gerizim. It's not... Jerusalem, and it's remarkable how many times the, the book of Hebrews makes that point about places and holy places, and then ultimately shows that the holy places are all summed up in Christ and the heavenly assembly where you already are. So what it means is if you want to draw near to God today, it's not a location thing. It's just about what goes on in your heart and life day by day. It's really just practical, normal, everyday Christian living that is the life of worship. Remember Hebrews, I mean Romans 12, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And then the rest of Romans 12 is like all this really practical stuff about daily living. Hebrews actually does the exact same thing. Hebrews chapter, uh, we looked at 12, 28, and 29. Look at Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Verse 3, remember those who are in prison. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all. Verse 5, keep your life free from love of money. <laughs> What's he doing? He's showing, this is how you draw near to God. You draw near to God by honoring him in your marriage, by keeping yourself free from the love of money, by caring for those who are in prison, by... Letting brotherly love continue. It's just like Romans 12. It's a whole life of, of worship presented to God. So I just kind of summarized all the little, not all, a bunch of the ways Hebrews shows us how to draw near to God every day as a, as a whole life of worship. It is, so let's see how far we can get through this. Uh, so point A, we draw near to God. So the, the number three says, what is the acceptable worship of Hebrews 12, 28? It is drawing near to God. Ah, by the way, ah, so much to say. The word acceptable there and in Romans 12. Um, 
if you buy a, like a, a used car and you're asking, what condition is this car in? And, this, and, and you're told, oh, it's in acceptable condition. You're thinking, okay, it is as bare minimum as it can get in terms of being like maybe functioning or me not suing you for selling it to me or whatever, right? That's, we use the word acceptable that way. And that is not what the word acceptable means in Hebrews 12 or in Romans 12. This word acceptable is talking about what pleases God, what brings joy into light to, to God, what is acceptable to him, not what just like barely passes because it's just, it's almost completely ruined. So what is the acceptable worship? It is drawing near to God, A, through Christ alone, not through a particular ritual, including that old covenant system of worship, not through a particular place, just like we learned in John 4, not through an earthly priest, but through Christ alone. He is the fulfillment of the ceremonies. He presented himself as the one great sacrifice for sins. He is the true temple. He is the fulfillment of the priesthood. And so acceptable worship is drawing near to God through Christ alone. Secondly, worship is drawing near to God with reverence and awe. That's the end of Hebrews 12, 28, right? Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. If you start with God as a consuming fire, then that makes sense. If that's what God is like, holy and inapproachable, then a sinner like me is going to come to him with reverence and awe. Thirdly, you draw near to him with a cleansed conscience. This is really, really interesting. It's a pretty, it's a bigger theme in Hebrews than we have time to really study this morning. But we've read it twice in Hebrews 10, 22. Uh, Do you have that there? Yeah. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And then I put the other key references for you there so that you can go uh, look them up. The, The point is, I would say the point is this. In order to draw near to God through Christ, you have to be able to have the confidence that you belong there. I was in a, I was in a pizza place in New York City in March, uh, and I wasn't perfectly clear on whether or not I was supposed to go pick up my food when it was ready or they were going to bring it to me. And I waited a while and started to, you know, you hit the internal clock thing where you're like, I I bet my food's done and I'm missing how this works. So I went up to the counter to try to ask for my food. And there were employees on both sides of me because there were employees here like doing DoorDash and other stuff. And there were employees right behind the counter. And they just all totally ignored me. I mean, they didn't even give me a chance to ask. It was like I did not belong in that spot where I was standing in that restaurant. And if you feel that way in the presence of God, you're not going to draw near. And so Hebrews puts this strong emphasis on how the old covenant could not cleanse the conscience of the worshiper, but Christ can. Through Christ, you can come into the presence of the holy, inapproachable God, and you can say, I belong here. I am supposed to be here. Not by me, but by Christ. Hebrews 7, 25 Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
I belong there in God's presence continually because Christ has done it all and Christ is right there always interceding for me. As Peterson words it, Christ is continually applying the benefits of his once-for-all sacrifice to believers. So even though I am very aware of my sin, I can draw near to God with a cleansed conscience because Jesus paid it all and Jesus is there. So we draw near through Christ alone with reverence and awe, with a cleansed conscience, and then we need to make sure that we are paying careful attention to his words. And this is what connects to what Tim was saying about God's presence in his word. Hebrews places a very strong emphasis on listening to God. It's right here in chapter 12. I don't think we've read it yet, have we? Chapter 12, verse 25. What does it say? See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? And then Hebrews 3.15, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, which starts a big section about that. What is Hebrews quoting that we just studied two weeks ago? Psalm 95. That's right. That today, if you hear his voice, is from that great worship psalm in Psalm 95, which the author of Hebrews is quoting. And um, this is also back in Hebrews chapter 2. I put those references there. Um, It's also in chapter 11. So drawing near to God must mean paying very careful attention, listening to him, paying careful attention to his words. Um, Then Letter E, since I just mentioned Hebrews 11, is we draw near to God, believing him. And we've talked about that a lot. We talked about that this morning. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I didn't include the verse there, but Hebrews 4, verse 2 makes the point that hearing God's word doesn't do you any good if it's not combined with faith. So, Listen and then believe. So we draw near to God with with faith, believing him. Now, letter F, we draw near to God in repentance and growth. In repentance and growth. We saw that in in, uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 this morning. Um, If you look up back up to Hebrews 12, Verse 1. Oh, I put him in your notes. Sorry. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Lay aside the sin which clings so closely. In verse 4, he refers to the struggle against sin. In verse 10, he talks about how God is like this Father who disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. So all of that struggle against sin is worship, which is so encouraging, right? It is motivating because the struggle against sin is hard. He says that at the beginning of Hebrews 12. And so to realize that that's, it's not like I struggle against sin all week and then I go to church and I'm going to worship a church. You've been worshiping all week through that struggle against sin by the very fact that God has worked in your heart so that you want to struggle against 
sin. So we, we worship God and draw near, draw near in repentance and growth. Letter G, we, we do it with prayerful dependence. We don't struggle against sin alone. We don't do anything alone. Isn't that so good? Because God has brought us near. You're never alone in the Christian life. You might feel like you are. Your heart might seem to drift from God, but you're not ever alone. And so we don't fight sin. We don't grow all alone. Hebrews 4, so there in your handout, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And he says that right after he talked about how Jesus understands your temptations. That is so good. You know, when you say, God, help me, that's worship. And so, letter H, what we're actually ending up saying here is what I've already said. We, we worship through a whole life given to God. And so that's where I just put down for you Hebrews 13, 1 through 5, and how the book of Hebrews just gets very practical right after it calls us to worship, just like Romans 12. Because worship is as practical as it can get. It's your whole life given to God. All right. And then two final points. Letter I, we draw near to God with grateful words that honor his name. So this is Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And down in chapter 13, verse 15, on your notes, he says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Under the old covenant, they literally brought fruit to the tabernacle. Now bring this fruit, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Bring words as a gift of worship to God, words of gratitude. And then finally, we draw near to God, letter J, with endurance. This is another major theme in Hebrews. And again, I, I can't start talking about this this morning, but it's so super important and exciting. Hebrews is going to bridge us into talking about corporate worship. And I think a huge point in Hebrews about corporate worship is that we come gather to worship to get strengthened to go endure in worship. And that is just so powerful and so meaningful for what we do together. But that's for later. The point here is that endurance is essential. And again, I think that's because the original Jewish audience of the book of Hebrews was ready to quit. This Christianity thing was too hard. And many of you know what that's like. If your life was off track and you've been living in sin and then you start to try to come back to Jesus and he starts working in your heart, it's hard. And you hit lots of points along the way where you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's Sunday morning. My alarm went off. I am so tired. Forget it. This Jesus stuff is too hard. That's just what I think the audience of Hebrews was, was feeling. And so the, 
the book of Hebrews just shows them the greatness of Christ and urges them to endure. Like that, you can see there, uh, Hebrews ten thirty five and thirty six. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And that comes just a few verses after he talks about how essential it is to gather together. So more on that later. Okay, so remember what that whole point was, point three? Well, let's just go back and look at the whole outline. And then we're going to look at one beautiful set of verses in conclusion. So go back to page one. The climactic call to worship in Hebrews is offer to God acceptable worship. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. And so then we asked, what's the background of the phrase, our God is a consuming fire? It's the impossibility of approaching the holy God. And so what is the kingdom that cannot be shaken, which we have received? What goes in the blanks? The assembly of God's people in his presence. And that assembly in his presence is going to be what remains forever. But letter C, if it's impossible to approach the holy God, how have sinners been brought near to him in his everlasting kingdom? Well, there's background to that. The old covenant regulations for approaching the holiness of God. But they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our great hope for drawing near to God. So page two. So we had that climactic call. But before it was this repeated call to worship in Hebrews, which is how do you worship? You draw near to God through Christ. So then, number three, what is the acceptable worship of Hebrews 12? It is drawing near to God through Christ alone, reverence and awe with a cleansed conscience, paying careful attention to his word, believing him in repentance and growth with prayerful dependence through a whole life given to God, grateful words that honor his name, and with endurance. Now, there's a chance you might be thinking, Oh man, that's a lot to remember. Uh, but that's just, it's just normal everyday Christian living, walking his word, listen to him, seeking to obey him and, and so forth. But there's this great reminder at the end of the book about it. If you're feeling like, oh man, I just don't know if I can do this. I just don't know if I can worship God as he, as he deserves. Um, so let's look at it. Take your Bible because I don't think it's in your handout. Take your Bible, Hebrews 13. Twenty and twenty-one. Hebrews thirteen, twenty and twenty-one. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How could God possibly receive glory forever and ever from your life? A God who's a consuming fire how could that be possible? He will equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. That is so good. That is grace. So Hebrews does, it, it pushes you 
to endure it, pushes you to draw near, it pushes you to worship God, and yet it reminds you He's the one seeking out worshipers. He's the one who drew near to you first. And so we, you don't, you don't draw near to the God who is a consuming fire because of you. You draw near because of Jesus. And you don't actually draw near in your strength or in your ability, but by his gracious working in you, in your heart, drawing you near to him. Our worship is pleasing to him because he's the one doing all these things in us. Right? Our worship is pleasing to him because he's the one doing all these things in us. And so even as we endure the discipline and the sufferings of this life, and, and even as we press forward to draw near to God in worship, the whole time, Hebrews 4, we can rest in Christ. It's all, it's all grace. There you go. If you're journaling through this series, you got a lot to journal after today. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Uh, we got a lot of got a lot of praying before the Lord to do. So look forward to hearing some of what God does in your heart through these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we don't come make ourselves acceptable before the Holy God because we couldn't. But you did it. And right now, when you look at us, we just see ourselves here on earth. You see us in the heavenly assembly of worshipers gathered around your throne in the kingdom that's going to last forever. And we say, praise the Lord. And now, here are our whole lives. Help us to learn how to live a life of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.